continuing the series that Pastor Bank began um, in the month of October when we had a prayer and fasting. Um, it began a series on identity. And he specifically started out by explaining to us who we are in Christ. And that the first sin that was committed was a sin of identity crisis. In that Adam gave up who he was to who he thought he should be. He then explained about the fact that we are a new creation. What that means. He explained that every sin that we commit is an identity problem. And that if we, if we know who we are, the tendency to want to do otherwise pales in the sight of the strength that God has given us as a people of God. Amen? Amen. And so this morning, as I continue in that series, I'm going to talk this morning in regards to our state versus our standing. I'm also going to talk about how do we walk in our identity. And I'm also going to talk about the outcome of the life of a person that understands their identity in God. The one thing I've come to realize, though, is that when I have a grasp on who I am, there's a transformation that takes place in my life. And that transformation brings about faith in God. I repeat again. When I know who I am, there's a transformation that takes place in my life. And the result of that transformation is that my faith in God becomes solid. Hence, I have come now to understand that I don't need to pray for faith. I just need to know who I am. Because the minute I know who I am, my trust in God can never be eroded. I was watching a documentary and if you know me, you will know I always talk about lions. I just love lions. They are for me a special creature. I mean, one day I saw a lion in a documentary and there was this buffalo. I mean, you know how big these things are. My God, they they are huge. And I looked at the size of this lion and he looked at the buffalo. Rather than every other, every other animal, they were running away because it seems as if this buffalo was angry, was just charging on. And I watched this lion just stood where he was, zeroing in on the buffalo. Yes. I believe he was calculating the move of this buffalo. Yes. And he just drove straight for him. And without any help from any other, any other of his, um, part of his cavalry, he latched onto the truth of this um, buffalo. And of course, the rest of it is history. Yes. And it was in that same documentary I saw the cubs that were growing up. And one of them tried to get hold of an antelope. And as much as he tried, the thing would not give in. He didn't even know how to use it yet. So the lioness came 
And I think out of maybe anger, I said, okay, I'm going to teach you how to do this thing. Gee, you should know who you are by now. Are you yes. kidding me? So the lioness showed this cub how to do it. Right. And in like a sweep of a second, boom, it was over. Yes. I think it was like the next day, I don't know how long it was, but just the documentary. Now she now took the rest of the cubs and took them hunting to show them how it's done. What that said to me was, even though that lion, the cub tried, there was something in him. He knew that there's something about him that could kill an antelope. The skill to do it, he had not yet acquired it. But there was something in him that knew, I, I can take this thing. Yes. It's not beyond me. It's, it's not impossible. Uh, this is something that I can do. And so the same is for us. The minute I know who I am, I remain undaunted. Wow. Irrespective of anything that stands before me. Because the truth is, when you stand and observe at the pinnacle of our truest identity, one thing you will recognize, that the best of everything has been given to us. Yes. Our role is only to discover and enjoy it. That's just our role. There's nothing left for us to do. However, the truth is for many of us, the reason why we can't grasp our identity or walk in our identity is because we, we seem to be creatures of experience. Like Pastor said, if my experience has been that have been battered and beaten all my life, and told that I'm a failure. It is something that I've allowed to be a part of who I am. And so, in the face of circumstances, in our walk in life, we begin to live out that nature. Because we see that as our identity. So someone says, the person is a failure. All they are looking to do is, anything they lay their hands on, there's a possibility that I might fail. That is what experience teaches us. However, coming now to know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the finished work of the cross, it is a different ball game completely. Because this is what Jesus did. He died as us to kill a nature that is not us. He then rose up as us and then gave us the Holy Spirit to establish us in our true identity. That is what he did. I repeat again. He died as us. Rose up as us. Killed the nature completely. That is not our true identity. And then now gave us the Holy Spirit to help us establish our true identity. Identity. If you look at various characters in the Bible, there are many of them that go through that. 
But intriguing to me was when God began to direct me to John chapter 14. And in the beginning of that verse, Jesus says, believe in me, believe also in the Father. For in my house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not tell you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you will be also. Now, Thomas, of course, asked him, show us the way. Then he, told to, he said to Thomas, I am the way. And then for some reason, he went again and talked about his father. And then Philip asked us, he asked him, he said, show us the father. And he said to Philip, he said, Philip, have I been with you this long and you have not seen the father? In other words, Philip, if for anything, the fact that you've seen me is that you've seen the father. Remember what I said. He said, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you will be also. And then he ended up saying, if you have seen the father, you have seen me. So what Jesus was saying in a nutshell is this. I'm going to a place to prepare a place. Not when we die and go to heaven. I'm not, I don't believe that's what that passage is all about. I believe that passage is talking about a location in terms of the spirit where we are. In terms of our identity. Yes. In other words, Jesus was saying to them, I'm going to prepare a place for you because by my dying, you are going to take on a new identity. And with this new identity, you're going to have to live in a different place. So this place that is your new identity is where I want to prepare for you so that you will know how to live from there. That's what Jesus was saying to him, to them. And then he now turned around and said, if you have then seen me, you've seen the father. So the same now becomes true of us. That if he has prepared that place for us to be with him, when anyone sees you, they should be seeing the father. Simple. Yes. So it's a matter of one plus one equal two. Period. If like Jesus, he says, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. Therefore, if you see me, you have seen the Father. And I can boldly tell you that. Listen, I know who I am now. There is nothing that can shake me. I don't say it in any form of timidity. I say it with a confidence in my heart because I know the price that was purchased for me to be who I am. Amen. That's why Jesus, that's why Paul would say in, 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 the book of, in the book of Corinthians, he said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things are passed away and everything has become new. Because what Jesus did was go back to the beginnings of beginnings where God said, let us make man in our image. Why? That man may have dominion over the earth, over the works of my hand. Everything that God intended since the beginning of creation, Jesus brought it back and now said to us, you are living in a different location. That's why the scripture tells us that you're in this world but not of this world because your location is different. I mean, juxtapose that. Look at Luke chapter 9 verse 55. Jesus was going into Samaria and for some reason the Samarians didn't want him there. 
So when they were leaving, the disciples, as usual, said to him, Master, let us curse them. Let us just pour brimstone and fire upon them. They didn't receive you. Let us do what it needs to be done. And Jesus says something so succinctly. He said, you do not know the manner of spirits that you're made of. What Jesus said to them in a nutshell is, you do not know who you are. Because if you know who you are, you will not operate from that level. And the same is true for every one of us. Our actions and our reactions explain the location we operate from. Let me not go there because that's going to be my tail end. But I just want to share a character in the scripture. And then from there I just build a message from that point. And is this person called Moses. If there was anyone that saw the goodness of God, it was Moses. He has a simple question of God. Show me your glory. That's all. And now God said, I'm going to show, I'm going to show you my goodness. And God took this very human being to the very beginning. Hence you and I can read Genesis today. And showed him everything that he did up until there. That's Moses. In other words, Moses walked with God in such a way that you could tell he saw God face to face. But before Moses got there, he was almost like you and I too. Because in Exodus chapter 3, he saw the burning bush. He walked into the burning, he walked towards the burning bush and then began to just, you know, out of Curiosity, wondering why is this bush burning? Why is there fire and the bush is not burning? And then God now came to him and said, Hey, I've heard the cries of my people. I'm going to save them. And you're the one that I'm going to send. The first question Moses posed to God, Who am I? The first question, Who am I? I want, I want to bring this home before I build that message. It can be any one of us. Sister Buchi, you are hired in a company today. And they say the post of a CEO is open. And you look at your credentials. Who am I? They said maybe you're going to compete with Dick Cheney and get an arms deal. Ship arms to Iraq. And you said, no, I'm not going to say no. Why would I say no? And you say to yourself, who am I? Because when you think about Dick Cheney, you think about, uh, I mean, that's a household name. Yes. So you're wondering if they present my name with Dick Cheney. Chances are they're going to go with Dick Cheney rather than me. Why? Because you think Miss Dick Cheney is an established name. I'm I'm trying to bring it home to where Moses was. And so God was sending him on assignment. He said, who am I that you want to send me? Or they said, for any of the children that are here, you should desire to go to an Ivy League college. Who am I? All right. Yeah, though I have all the A's. I've seen those that have had A's, but they would never take them. Who am I? 
the truth is every decision we make on a daily basis is as a result of what we understand our identity to be. And that was the same for Moses. So he asked God, who am I? And the thing about God that I like, he always ignored those questions that really doesn't make any sense to him. So God went again and explained to him what he wanted him to do. Let's just keep going. Now Moses was very, you know, Moses was very smart. It's almost like me or you or whoever, you understand? So if you didn't answer the question the way of who am I, maybe he really didn't like that. Let me recraft that question. He recrafted it. I'm a stammerer. God moved on. Okay. This time, let me even... You know what you're going to do? We're going to take Aaron. Aaron will go with you to speak with you. So, he went reluctantly. I'll put it that way. Finally, in Luke chapter 6, in Exodus chapter 6, he got to meet with Pharaoh. And I think the first reaction he had with Pharaoh and the people, he ran back to God. You see, this is why I told you, you should never have sent me in the first place. I know this thing is a mission to fail. You did not choose the right person. But man, Exodus chapter 7, verse 1. Don't I like what God said to him? Exodus chapter 1. He says, so the Lord said to Moses, see, comma, (laughs) In other words, I want your eyes to be opened now. Moses, between, now, between then and now, all I've done is just talk with you. But this time, Moses, I want you to see, see. I have made you as a God to Pharaoh. You read Psalm 82 verse 6. It says, ye are God's. And all of you are God's children. I want to bring it back home again. Not until God opened the eyes of Moses. See, I have made you as a God. Because when that happened, the way Moses approached Pharaoh was different. He talked them from then on with confidence. He knew who he was. He knew Pharaoh was subject to him. Pharaoh, you may not answer me now, but ultimately you have to bend to me. Pharaoh, you may not see what I'm seeing now, but ultimately you're going to have to see what I see. Because I am the head and not the tail. Therefore, whatever I say to you, Moses, you have to do, because I know who has sent me. And the same is true for every one of us. Let's just say you're looking for a suitor. And up until now, every guy that has come has failed you one way or the other. And you have more or less resigned yourself. I may end up being single for the rest of my life. I submit to you is because you don't know who you are. That he has finished everything concerning you. It just depends on the perspective that you're viewing yourself from. The truth is, our identity is rooted in what God says and sees about us. Therefore, our choices and our decisions should come from knowing who we are. 
in God. Because the truth is, if you are in Christ, your circumstances, the situations of your life, everything is in Christ. In other words, your circumstances are not here, and you are here, and Christ is here. The problem we have had up until now, I'm bringing you back again to John chapter 14, is because we have always taught God to be in a distance. And because God is in a distance, it's difficult for us to see him where we are. That's why John, Jesus will say, if you have seen the Father, you have seen me. Because we don't know who embodies us. We see God always from a visitational culture. In other words, it's somebody I go to when I'm in trouble. And we use that word all the time. When I'm in trouble, I run to God. And if you live in that realm, it's always a visitational perspective. But when I'm in trouble, I realize he is in trouble with me. It becomes more a permanent location. That wherever I go, I carry him. So when I'm in trouble, I'm not crying out, God, I'm in trouble. Because he knows I'm in trouble. The reality for us sometimes is that the problems we look at so overwhelms us that we forget who we are. So when that situation seems to be failing, we don't run to God. God is about to fail. Yes, he knows he's about to fail. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you to the ends of the earth. My goodness. And he said, it's not a man that he should lie. So I'm trying to figure, how did we get to the place that we think we are running to God or that we are in God? I mean, look at it this way. What moved Jesus? I mean, you are in the midst of a boisterous wind and you're sleeping? Why would you do that, Jesus? Because he knew who dwelt within him. He knew he was a part of a circle that can never be moved. He, he formed a team that can never be shaken. He recognized that all power has been given to him. Let, let me move on. Because what I'm about to say is at the end of the message. The truth is, from a visitational perspective, we think we get things from God. But from a habitational perspective, where we understand that God inhabits us. We are the temple of God. We are realized there, it is not about our performance. It is by reason of our DNA. Who I am. I'm praying to God that you will get this message this afternoon. Because if you get this message, it will transform the way you see stuff. Things should not shake you by reason of who you are. 
you know, there's this, um, there's this story in, from my culture about this guy from Ibadan, a warrior, as they put him, who boasted so much about his strength. Um, when I read the book, it was more like the way he boasts is such that if you touch him, you are in trouble. And so he got into this fight with this person and just one slap, boom, the guy was on the floor. So they said to him, you know, apparently you're a very lazy human being. But there was something that I read there that said that um, all the guy had was just boastings. But never knew who he was. When I read that, I also remembered, how many of you have watched Lion King? Okay, that shows how young I am. I must be a very young person. For those of us that watch Lion King, Pastor, you watch Lion King, what happened to this one? There's this, you know when they had killed Mufasa? Yes. And uh, Simba was growing up. Yes. The encounter between Simba and Rafiki. Rafiki said, he asked Rafiki, he said, you, you know my father? He said, pardon me, know your father? Rafiki said, of course I know your father. Then he said, oh, but I'm sorry to tell you my father is dead. Rafiki said, no, your father is not dead. So he said to him, he said to him, follow me. Rafiki said, follow me. So if you can't follow Rafiki, that my father is not dead. Well, let me go look for my father, where my father is. Let's go. So Rafiki took him to this river. And he said, look into the river. And he said, all I'm seeing is my image. My reflection. And he said, that's you. That's your father. And he said, no. Then right there and then, Mufasa's voice came. And Mufasa said to him, Simba. Uh. He said, His father now said to him, Simba, you have forgotten who you are. And in a nutshell, he said to him, he said, your present reality is not who you are. He said, you are living a life that that is not who you are. When I began to prepare this message, I remembered. And there and then, prior to that time, Simba was living a life of timidity. But the minute Mufasa said, your present reality is not who you are. Whoa. There was a certain confidence yes. that took place within Simba. Amen. And he outran Rafiki. Yeah. Rafiki began to pursue him. Where are you going? Yeah. He said, follow me. Whoa. What am I saying to us? The minute you can see your reflection, That you can see yourself and see the Father. That you can see yourself and see your reflection. It changes the ball game for you. You will walk with such confidence like Jesus 
that nothing can daunt or move you. That I can submit to you. It is because we don't know who we are. That's why situations and circumstances seem to move us. It tosses us like wind to and fro, this way, that way. That's what they do. But in order to be able to overcome this, there are certain things that we have to do. But I want to submit this to you first. We have to be students of the grace of God. Because by being students of the grace of God, we are going to begin to learn by experience that we should be more in tune with heaven than we are with earth. Because the Bible says we are citizens of heaven. And what I'm asking you to do today is not to change. I'm just asking you to see who you are. Because if you do a change in behavior, after some time, it changes over again. But when you allow yourself to be seen the way you're seen, it brings about a transformation. And remember earlier I said, transformation itself will ignite faith within you. Correct? Now, I, I wrote this down, that the beauty of life's choice is that we should always arm ourselves with the choice to stay forever in the identity of our maker, based in the knowledge that no matter how many years fall from the calendar, we will never outgrow our identity, our value, our worth before our heavenly father because a price was paid to put value upon our lives. It is when we walk in our identity, we can make a stand. And this stand affords us the joy of living in the reality of our divine nature. We thereby shed the sackcloth of misunderstood identity. I also said to you that when Christ was raised, you were raised to a newness of life. And if you can't be separated from the love of God, your identity cannot be separated from the love of God. Amen. Because God treats us as though we've made it because of the covenant he caught with Jesus Christ. So the question then begs, how do I walk in my identity? Now this is where I begin to build a message. How do I walk in my identity? Number one, Walking in our identity requires a renewal of our mind. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ephesians 4 6. Can you give me that? Ephesians 4 6. One God and the Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. What the scripture is saying there to you is, 
once you can get a transformation of the mind, once your mind gets renewed and you begin to walk in the identity of who you are, you then recognize that all of your life is in God, through God, for God, period. There is nothing that is outside of you that can be identified with again except for the person that is in you, which is Christ in you. The renewal of the mind is critical because the Bible tells us that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If I think I am of the earth, then I will, I will, I will make choices based on where I think I am. Now, prior to Moses being converted, he thought of who he was was different from what God was sending him to do because of his experience. Moses ran away from Egypt and then God is not sending him back by his experience. He's not qualified. But a renewal of mind had to take place because God opened his eyes to see. So what I'm saying to us is a renewal of mind is critical. Because in the renewal of mind, you can focus your mind on the things that are important. You can, you can no longer give attention to the things that are of the earth. Let me bring it home. Let's just say I'm somebody that gets angry all the time. I know. And everyone around as identified with that. Any little thing, boom. We're talking about a renewal of mind. And then, in Philippians 4, he says, think on these things that be of good report, that have virtue, and all of that. So I'm talking about a person that gets angry all the time. So let's just say you and I have a conversation and I get angry, and I walk away. The tendency is I want to come back and have a reaction to it. So what renewal of mind does to me is I put into action my identity. Immediately, rather than focusing on that thing, I take time to talk or have a conversation in my heart with my father. So I say, this is not who I am. I can't operate from this place. Anger is not a part of me. And therefore, I walk in love. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the one that establishes the identity of God in me. Therefore, I have a renewal of mind of who I am. I walk in that. It is a deliberate step to do that. You have to be intentional for you to experience that renewal of mind. It's not something you do just in the by and by. It is intentional. You live it every day. To walk in your true identity has to be that you have a renewal of mind. Number two, we must receive and be aware of God's perspective of us. It is essential to the transformation of our mind. In other words, what does God think of me? I have to be aware of that and I have to learn to walk in that. Remember what I said, Jesus said, where I am, you will be also. This is the way I see it on a daily basis. When I walk, I see myself in the midst of Christ and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That all of us are walking together. That's the way I see it now. That is the vision I have on a daily basis as I go out. Therefore, every decision that I make, I recognize that somebody is with me. And in that person being with me, we can make those decisions together. Therefore, anything that comes my way, I realize that I had to talk with them and make a decision based on that. So what I'm saying is, you have to be aware 
You have to be aware of God's perspective of you. You are a child of God. You are the habitation of God. You are loved by God. You are the beloved of the Lord. That is who you are. Are you following me? Number three. We have to adjust our thinking to be in line with this perception of us. In other words, we have to have a consciousness of the presence of God in our life. We cannot walk no thinking in our head that God is somebody that is a far away place from us, but we have to know that God is with us. These three things are critical in our walking in identity. The renewal of our mind. Being aware of God's thoughts towards us. He says, the thoughts I have of you, they are thoughts of good and not of evil to bring you to an expected end. What does that mean? It's just like Simba. In looking at the reflection, his reflection in the water and hearing the voice of his father, he's saying to him, the reality of your life right now does not say who you are. That's what that means. It means I walk a consciousness of the fact that I am a loved child. I walk the consciousness of the fact that I am blessed in all my ways. That is a consciousness I have to carry with me on a daily basis. I'm saying to you, it is environment you have to cultivate. Because once you can cultivate this environment... The outcome is different. There are three things that happen. There is an outcome of a person that walks in their three, true identity. Number one, you're going to see differently. What does this mean? I've shared with a few people. How many of you know there are no problems in heaven? There are no problems in heaven. There are only possibilities. I want you to know that. I want this to sink in. I'm going to take my time with this and the next point. There are no problems in heaven. There are only possibilities. Case in point. In the beginning, the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God hovered over the surface of the deep. And God said, let there be. When you and I see dark, guess what we do? We see it as dark. We see it as a problem. But God sees possibilities in all things. Looked at how deep and dark this thing is and spoke life into it. That's why Jesus Christ can calm the boisterous sea, boisterous wind, in the midst of his disciples losing their mind. I I want you to come home with me in this place because this is where I really want to establish this point of our true identity. You and I may see this thing here and there are going to always be a different perspective to it. But in this case, we're talking of just two perspectives to it. You may see it just as a piece of paper. Somebody may see it as a means for something. Look at Jesus Christ. Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is sleeping. Whose perspective? Lazarus is sleeping. Lazarus is dead. Let's go to our friend Lazarus. But if you see from 
the identity of the earth, which was what the others were looking at. In the real terms, in earth, is dead, is dead. What do you do with a dead body? You bury it. But Jesus said, he's sleeping. That is somebody that is sitting from the throne room. Because from the throne room, you can only see as God sees. And the reason for that is the Bible says, you are seated in the heavenlies, at the right hand of the Father, far above principalities and powers. The Bible says your life is hidden in Christ and in God. So when I sit from the throne room, I can only see from a vantage point of view. Where men see chaos, I see peace. I mean, imagine the person that made the aeroplane, the Wright brothers, is that correct? I'm sure in their mind of mind, they must have just sat down and thought, there's a possibility for us to fly to this place. If they presented it to some people, they'll say, are you crazy? You go up there, you will die. You just fall. But I'm saying this to you, please. I want you to really follow me, and I'm praying to, the, praying to God that the Holy Spirit will be able to break this down for us. Here, here is where this rubber meets the road. The Bible says God shines upon the righteous and the unrighteous. Is that correct? There's a sense in which the unrighteous many times see things and see possibilities and opportunities. Whereas for us, the righteous, many times we see things and we see doom. Yes. And if we are not careful, we begin to identify with the doom than we are with the opportunity that is in God. Because what Jesus did with his disciples was to break down any wall that they may have. He wanted to debunk anything that they understand about how to live on earth. You know, I've always told you, I've wondered, till, I've always wondered why would Jesus tell them to go pick coin from the mouth of a fish to pay tax? I mean, prior to that time, he, he, he gave 5,000 people fish and bread to eat. And it, it took time to ask Philip and them, what do you have? And they gave him what they had. Are you getting me? Again, I'm talking about seeing differently. In your true identity, you will see differently. So he, he, he gave them the bread and then he multiplied it. All of us believe that is a huge miracle. And it is a huge miracle. But then it now came to the time to pay taxes. Why didn't Jesus say, Philip, how much do you have? Go pay tax. He didn't say that, did he? But he said to them, go there. The first fish you catch, pick the coin from the mouth and then go pay your, my tax and pay your tax. You know what Jesus was saying to them? I want you to live in the realm of possibilities. It's possible for me to have told you, Peter or Philip, take money from your hand and pay. But I want you to live in a realm where your security is not in the happenings, but in he that is making it to happen. So when you sit from the throne, and the Bible says he has made you as kings and priests unto himself, what happens is you are going to begin to see possibilities where men see dark. In Psalm 139, I believe, I, I can, I believe it's verse 9 or 11, it talks about how darkness is light to God. Pause and think about that. Darkness is light to him. So in other words, Jesus sees darkness and all he sees is light. All he sees are possibilities. 
And if we are going to operate as the true children of God, when men then say there's a casting down, you can say there's a lifting up. And this means that everything around you, you have to see differently. Your boss is not crazy. Even though he does things that makes you mad, he's not a crazy human being anymore. It's just an opportunity to show the glory of God to this person. But if I'm still focused on his, on his behavior, I will fail to see the light that he can be. To walk in a true identity. It means when men see giant problems, you see giant blessings. Let, let me give you an example of what happened to me. About three weeks ago, or maybe three, four weeks ago, my son had an accident. And when he had that accident, if you had, but I'm when it's so good to see you. Welcome. The same God that delivered you is still the same God that has mighty things ahead for you. Amen. You have overcome this, you have overcome every other one. You are more than conqueror through him that has delivered you. Amen. The same smile you have is the same smile you will Amen. carry. Your family will not mourn you in your young age. But they will give glory to God for his goodness over your life. Amen. So I'm saying this. My son had an accident. And when he had that accident, I was called. Anyway, to cut a long story short. If I'd seen the picture of that vehicle before I saw Toyosi. I probably would have died a million dead. And I'm telling you, where I was seated at that point. So I got to the hospital. I saw him. I embraced him. I was never interested in what happened. Don't tell me anything. The fact that you are alive is enough for me. Thank God. So we finished in the hospital that night. We were going home. About 11, 11.30, I think. Just getting about 10, 10.30, I think. Something like that. So they gave him some medication, a prescription. They wrote a prescription that we needed to um, go fill up at the pharmacy. But I knew that the CVS that we're using um, is a close at 10, but the CVS beside um, the hospital is a 24-hour CVS. So my husband and Pasami and all of them left. So Dupia and I waited behind. I went to fill up the prescription. And so we're coming. When we're coming, my vehicle went and it wrote, it just, um, the battery started flashing. So I said, okay, look at this thing, it's flashing. I ignored it. So I said, okay, let's go. I mean, drop her. So I said to her, okay, I'll tell Alex to go check it out. Just f- let him fix the problem. I mean, that's what the men do. You know, you just get home, you just give it to them. And you let them do it and go. So I went past the church. Why are you looking at me like Revelation? Does Selwyn not take care of stuff? <laughs> Okay, not all men, it's okay, but at least that's what men are supposed to do. Okay, let's move on in the message. <laughs> so we, we drove past the front of the church, and um, I was still going home. The minute I turned to Sunny Hill, and that's the turning that we go towards the house, at that point, the dashboard, all the light went off. Boom. Now, I'm talking about a place that is pitch dark. I'm telling you, just pure darkness. There's nothing. If, if a vehicle was coming, boom, the vehicle would have hit me. Wow. So, 
I was faced with the decision of, should I park this vehicle here? If I park it here, how do I get out of here? There's nobody, there's no vehicle coming. So I said, okay, let me keep pushing this vehicle until I get to a light. And I kept driving, I kept driving. At that point, I was on the phone with Alex. Alex kept saying to me, park somewhere. I said, okay, I'll park somewhere. He, little did he know I was saying in my mind, yeah, I'm hearing you, but let me at least move the vehicle to where I can, you know, at least see some help. He said, there's a subdivision, turn to that subdivision. Uh, you know, I'm just, I just kept going. <laughs> so finally, we got to, I, got, I was about to cross over and I got to the middle of the road and the vehicle just stopped. Engine, everything stopped in the middle of the road. At that point, I was faced with two decisions. One, either I become panicky, or two, I operate from where I believe I live from. Whoa. So where I stood, I said to myself, I don't care what happens. My confidence is in God. Listen, it doesn't matter whether it's a trailer that is coming. If it's not my time to die, I will not die. It's not possible. Listen, that's a throne room thinking. Not long after a police guy came, guess what happened? The irony of this. The guy was supposed to turn on Gravel Springs. He's not of Gune County. It's a different county completely. He just came over to see somebody. Was going home, drove a police vehicle. He missed his turning and then came to where I was. Now, understand that where I had this vehicle emergency was just maybe about, what, a block or two from where Toyosi had his accident in the morning. So the police guy came, and he came, looked at me, and was wondering, why am I not panicky? And he kept saying, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. Let's just get the vehicle out of the way. I'm fine. Nothing's going to happen to me. If something happens to me because it's my time, and I'm happy about it because like Paul, I've come to a place where I believe if I die, it's still gain for me. Because I know who I am. I'm not panicky about who will take care of my children. My children will be taken care of because I'm not the one that is in charge of them. I'm saying to you, that is a throne room thinking. And I didn't get there overnight. I got there by having this consciousness of who I carry with me. And so what I'm saying to you, once you begin to walk in your true identity, your perspective of issues become different. What makes everything turn chaos would not make it turn chaos for you. Because then you will know whose you are and to whom you belong. Amen. Are you following me? Amen. Are you following me? Number one thing that changes, you are going to see differently. That's why God asked, 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 asked um, Ezekiel, in the valley of dry bones, can this bone live? Ezekiel, of course, was very cautious. Only you know. Don't, don't, don't let me answer that question. Because what I'm seeing here, I mean, can you imagine the valley of dry bones? God take it and say, can it live? Dry bones? Are you serious? So Ezekiel was a smart man like I would be. I'll say, yeah, you tell me, what do you think? I'm not going to tell you no, but you tell me what do you think. But God said to you, prophesy unto those things. Hallelujah. Where, where, where Ezekiel saw valley of dry bones, God saw nations. Ooh. So I'm saying to you, where there are dry bones, there's a possibility there are nations there. Yes. That what you see begins to change everything about you. Number two, your language changes. 
when you begin to walk in your true identity, your language changes completely. This is what happens. You'll be able to create a language that is in line with your new mindset. And this, what will this do? It will expand your personal territory in the spirit. So that when men say there's a casting down, you will open your mouth and say there's a lifting up. And that's why I bought case in point. Jesus paying for taxes by taking a coin out of the mouth of a fish. So that when men say the economy is so bad, you say the economy is good. When men says, it doesn't look like we're getting anywhere. You're going to say we're going places. What I'm saying to you is, when you know where you're operating from, the way you talk becomes different completely. You will not say things that are in line with what you're seeing. You begin to say things that are in line with who you are. Because what happens is, there's a confidence in knowing who you are. And the who you are is the one that speaks out all the time. Because when they spoke, to, if you just look at the life of Jesus. I keep saying it, just look at the life of Jesus. There was no problem that was brought to him that he did not have an answer for. If you can see a point in time where Jesus came to anyone, let me know. And if he says that this is the same life we have to live, then we have to then understand how was he able to live this life? It is because he knew who he was. You have a different language completely. You will not wake up and say, oh, I am sick. No, you're not sick. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You won't say, I am weak. He said, when you are weak, my strength is made perfect for you. I was talking to someone the other day. He said, no, it doesn't know what. It's just a slight stomachache. I said, it's a problem. That's a problem. Me confessing that it's a small slight stomachache is the one that leads to another bigger one again. Because while talking to you, I was talking to this person. They couldn't afford money to buy this food. Their stomach is aching them. Their leg is killing them. I mean, everything about them seems to be everything that is breaking down. But if you can see like Jesus saw, when they said Lazarus is dead and you say Lazarus is sleeping, it's a different ball game. Complete. Completely different. Your true identity gives you a confidence that is beyond your own understanding. You will walk in a level of confidence that men will begin to marvel. That is your true identity. This is not talking by faith. This is talking from your divine nature. Faith becomes a byproduct of the transformation that has taken place in your life in knowing who you are. Therefore, I can speak life into situations. That is who I am. I don't have a mistaken identity at all. I know who my identity is from. Because when I look at myself, I see his finished work in my life. So what that does for me is I see myself more as a place of habitation than a place of visitation. We're going to do something this afternoon that we've not done in this house before. 
I'm going to ask them to play some music in the background. And I'm going to read out your true identity to you. And I want you to take time to receive this into your spirit. Your true identity. That is who you are. You are not what the world calls you. You are not what circumstances has called you. You are not what situations have called you. You are the apple of his eyes. Your DNA cannot be altered. If it needs to be altered, they have to talk to Jesus first. And if that DNA cannot be altered, your life, your destiny, your purpose can never be altered. The name that you are called can never be changed. That's why when Pastor talked about Gideon, remember how he looked at himself. But when God came to him, he said he was a mighty man of valor. My prayer is that God will show us to see the greatness that is in us. That we are not just anyhow. Because the Bible says the greater one lives in us. I'm praying to God that you walk conscious every day of who you are. You are not an accident. You did not happen for the sake of happening. You were a deliberate intention in the sight of God. That's why David would say, you knew me from my mother's womb. He said, you formed me within there. He said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Hear me, to the degree you see your beauty, to that degree you can portray that beauty outside. You don't need any man to tell you you are beautiful. In other words, when men don't even say you are beautiful, you don't lose your composure. You are who you are because you know who you are anchored to. You are who you are because you know your identity in him. Nobody can change it. I repeat it again. Your DNA in God can never be altered. Yes. Again. Yes. So we're going to do something today. While I was preparing for this message, God told me there are a few people in the house that are held down by fear. We're going to pray about that this afternoon. But before we get there, there's something that I want us to do. While the music is going on in the background, I just want you to close your eyes. And I'm going to read a few things to you. And as I read them, I want you to take them into your spirit this afternoon. I want you to close your eyes. Give me some music, please. <laughs> 